Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare their business for exit so they can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates Brownsword and today I'm talking to Max Trailer. Max is based in Boston and Max is a specialist in helping professional service firms really turn the service into a product is, is my summary, but but don't listen to me. Let's let's hear from Max and uh Welcome, Max. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, cheers. Um, <laughs> I like the way you said it. Yeah, uh, turn the service uh, into a product. Sometimes I use that big word, productize, um, but it doesn't need to be used. I, I just think of it as, look, a, a lot of people are running around delivering a service differently every time. Um, and uh, we're well aware that you can't make and deliver a product differently every time, uh, generally. And so that's the mindset. H how do we take services that are generally difficult to predict profitability, timelines, expectations, and make it into something that is predictable, recognizable, and sellable uh, for the sake of intellectual property and valuation? I think that's your thing here. Um, yeah. That's what makes it repeatable, sellable and uh, gives another person the ability to run that company uh, rather than losing the only person that knows how to do it. Yeah. And I think to understand how we are or why we are where we are now, we, we've got to look, look back to the evolution of the economy. Like we, we started with a goods-based economy. And as we evolved into a service-based economy, primarily a lot more doing service, you know, people were using themselves as individuals and going, hey, look, it is this individual application. It's all about me that makes it different. We've ended up to the point where now we've got professional service firms, incredibly successful, and some of them, you know, wondering why they're, they're pretty hard to sell because their their whole business premise is based on a whole stack of individuals being creative that aren't replaceable. Um, and so, you know, to the point where we're talking to you know, your classic accountants and lawyers who are who, who their business models or the business valuations are quite low and just, you know, one times revenue as low as, um, just because they are dependent on key people and a key person making up the process, starting from scratch every time, there's no consistency, there's no predictability, and the reliability is based on personal reputation. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's difficult uh, to sell your professional service company. Um, the, the challenge yeah. is how much money you're going to get for it because all you're really selling is your client list. I mean, that happens all the time. You've got, you've got roll-ups. It's easier to grow an organization uh, by just going out and, and buying logos. And, and that's what you're doing. Unless you have a unique, and I say unique because nothing's really unique anymore, uh, but it is marketable. You can establish that it is unique and valuable in the marketplace and that it is repeatable and recognizable by people. So um, that is something uh, that will increase the valuation and represents efficiency, represents um, market recognition, profit. So, yeah, that's what we should all be thinking about. So that all makes sense. We've got it, yeah, and 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 in terms of running the business, it makes it more efficient, it makes it streamlined, it makes it easier to run. And as soon as we start talking about systemizing a business and going, look, we need to we need to have a process or a process that people are following to deliver our service the same way every time. 
people in the creative industries start to then push back and go, ah, yeah, but this is a creative process. We we can't do that because you're going to just spoil the creativity. Yeah, because creatives aren't engineers. So, of course, they're going to say that. Yeah, but all the all the research that that I've read so far actually says it it creates the um, the the dynamic the environment for a more creative um, solution for clients. Why? Because we're following the process, the standard process. We don't have to think about, we don't have to worry about, we, we don't make it up. We've got a whole lot of checks and balances in place to make sure all the essential stuff, the important part of the process that the client has purchased, happens automatically, reliably. And the key part of what we do, the, the real little insights is where we're free to be creative and, and all that other burden is removed. So we, are, we, are, we do end up being more creative. Yeah. Well, how much creative energy do you have when you're um, confused and stressed? Not a lot, exactly. <laughs> because a lack of, and I actually did a study uh, into um, creative energy levels. It was the psychology of consultant study. We did it last year. And uh, we, we intended to study things like perfectionism and burnout, uh, workaholics and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, we actually found a lot of information on creative energy levels, because that was one of the things that, that we were uh, asking about. And I was working with this brilliant PhD in psychology and predictive analytics. And so he started to come up with these equations to predict people's levels of creative energy as they made certain key business decisions, how many clients they were working with, how many service lines they had, uh, whether or not they planned their week on Monday or the Friday before, things like that. So it was really, uh, it was really interesting but I tell you, the, the biggest thing that I look for in a professional service company, and I'm, I'm just talking about from purely, I'm not talking about your business model, that's your business, but purely from a complexity standpoint, do you have one service process or do you have many? It's the menu of services versus I've got one process. Now you could be doing five things, but having a menu of five things and saying, okay, client, you get to pick. That's a that's a restaurant business, and that's difficult. I and, hear I've never run a restaurant, but I heard it's a very difficult business model. But if you take well, those yeah, five things and you say we will always start with one and end with five, that's where you get the operational efficiencies. Yeah. And and yeah, not that I've watched a heck of a lot, but you look at these restaurant TV shows with the Gordon Ramsays and the like. One of the things they do is tidy up the menu and just go, there's way too many choices. You can't be good at cooking all those things. The clients aren't you know, silly. They'll figure that out. You know, have a much shorter menu and clients can pick and choose. You, you, you've got an easier choice because it's not so wide. And there's half a chance you can manage your kitchen better because you've got less stock and you've got less meals to prepare. Chances are you're going to be good at those those meals. Yeah. So well, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the McDonald's story. Yeah. You know, you get cheeseburgers or you don't come here. <laughs> and uh, that and that, there's your intellectual property. They had the systems uh, and, and they were able to create all of these efficiencies and brand recognition because they just did cheeseburgers. So find your cheeseburger, folks. Okay, well, let's find our cheeseburger, Max, because you specialize in working with professional service firms to help them move away from selling hours and to effectively systemize and productize their services so they become more profitable. True? Yeah. True. Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, so circle gets you, the square. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> how do you start that process and what's the resistance you get from clients when they're 
they've been conditioned because the industry associations and, and everything have uh, conditioned them to be selling hours, selling time, selling and, and increasing their hourly rate to increase their expertise. And then someone like yourself comes in and says, well, have you thought about this differently? What's the sort of resistance or pushback you get from them uh, when you first head down this this um, strategy, this, this thing? Yeah, that, that, that's that's a lot to unpack. Well, let's start with the easiest thing to tackle hourly. Yep. 100% of the time, bad news. Uh, nobody wins an hourly because the fact is you are incentivized to deliver value slowly. Yep. Absolutely. If you, if you deliver value quickly, if you get better, if you innovate, you make less money. So there's the first dichotomy, shall we say, the first yeah, yeah, mismatch. Yeah. <laughs> Ask totally your clients, yeah. would you like value faster or slower? <laughs> yeah. And, then, uh, and, and so then hourly, go, it, yeah. I've got more efficient because I've done it a million times so I can do it quicker. So yeah. I've either got to do it slow or put my price up. And then the clients push back and go, why is your hourly rate so high? Yeah, the 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 uh, it's that whole thing, um, good, fast or cheap. Mm -hmm. You can have two, but but not three. Yeah, you want to be in the good and fast bucket because it ain't cheap. <laughs> you exactly. you want to you want to charge a premium for good and fast. That that's it, and that's innovation, and that's that's you getting better, and that's you focusing, and that's you learning things. Um, the, uh, the other, other, well, one of the other parts of your question was the pushback that I get. And here is the greatest psychological challenge of every professional service provider. It's saying no, it's that room that you put the kid in with the two marshmallow or the, the marshmallow. And you say, Hey, if you can wait and not eat the marshmallow, you'll get two marshmallows. Yeah. It's self-control. We don't have it. We're human beings. Yep. Uh, so I don't know whether you have to go to therapy or get a business coach. Uh, some people randomly fall into the gift of focus. Uh, but you do a certain thing for a certain type of person and it's better I, and, and people resist it. Like, and the funniest part is when I work with marketing organizations that literally help their clients focus and yet their own fear and hunger prevents them, uh, from focus. And I'm talking about a particular, like for most professional service organizations, unless you're trying to capture a significant percentage of the market, which most of us are not, the more focused you get, like the, 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 the tiniest minutia of, uh, of an industry sliver is probably the best way to go. Like the more focused, the better. Uh, so there's the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, there's, there's three areas to focus. Everyone should do a little mind exercise. One is the practice area. You know, do you fix feet uh, or toes or whatever? And then industry. My grandfather always said, you have to know the territory and like it or not. If you speak their language, they're going to pay you more. Uh, also, you know, people should not be paid to learn someone else's business. People should be paid for access to a lifetime of accumulated knowledge. So industry is number two. And the one that I love uh, because it, it makes deals happen faster is situational. It's like a the third dimension of focus. Uh, so if you can do something specific for somebody specific during a definable situation, 
that's awesome because the deal is either done or not done right then. You get a yes or no, and you avoid yes. the infamous maybe. Uh, like selling your company. If you specialize in helping people maximize profit uh, when, when they're selling a, a professional services company, there is an action. There is an impending event, my dad would say. You could sell anything to anybody during an impending event. You could sell ice to an Eskimo during a blizzard. The good ones. Impending events. So, so the, yeah. the, the impending event, and, and we refer to that as it's the classic, you know, the urgency versus important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can have something that's really important, but if, there, if there's no impending event, if there's no urgency, I'll go, yeah, look, it's really, yeah, not yet. Let me just do this first. I just need to get this in order, and I just sort that, and then I'll come back to you. But if yeah. you've got an but, event that, that we need to get hit by, then you've got some urgency, and, uh, and uh, there's a, a motivation to get started. Yeah, look, and 99% of your listeners are going, yeah, but this Max guy, you know, what if, why why not get the client a couple months before they want to sell so that when they do want to sell, I'll be right there. Yeah, the, the only problem is opportunity cost because yeah. we're human beings. We only have so much time. So if you say yes and do something for that client that isn't ready to sell, that's going to take time and effort that could otherwise be spent looking for, finding, and working with somebody that's already in the middle of selling. And so it's, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the kid, it's the kid with the marshmallow thing. And, and we don't, we all eat the marshmallow. It's just a human, you know, it's a human thing. So that's the pushback. Uh, it's irrational, but it's a thing. It's psychological. Yeah. Uh, we are driven by fear and hunger. So we don't want to be selling time or hours, especially, but we don't want to be selling time because it's a conflict of interest. Essentially it, it's encouraging us to slow down yeah. the delivery of whatever we've promised to do for our client. Because as a service provider, we've, we're selling something intangible. It's, there's, there's no, they can't touch it, they can't feel it. You know, if I'm picking up my mobile phone, I can feel it, I can see what I'm buying, I know what it does. But if, I, but if I'm selling a, an intangible, it's the promise that something will be better when we've completed. Yeah. Yep. And, and so how we're, we're moving away from selling time to produce that experience or that, that promise, how do you package things up? You're working with a client, they've gone, yep, okay, Max, I like the idea of this shift away from hours or, or time, selling time. How do I do it differently? Yeah. Well, you asked me, so the answer is you're selling intellectual property. Yep. You're selling the asset uh, that is that is your knowledge. And you asked me uh, before the show, like, what does that mean? Uh, and I think in a, in a business sense, in a professional service company, when you are selling intellectual property, there's two pieces to it. One is your accumulated knowledge, your business acumen, the things that, that you know. Second to that is you have to have a process to turn that knowledge into value for companies. Mm -hmm. So it's both knowledge and process. You need both. Uh, people without process are just selling their knowledge. They're, they're the speakers or the, or the writers, right? That's, that's knowledge without process. Um, so I think you need both to have a, uh, valuable asset in a professional service organization that you use to command price premiums and deliver value quickly. And the great part about intellectual property is by definition, uh, as you wield it, it gets more valuable. So you learn more. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking deeply about this as you're speaking. So, so you're challenging me, which is which is I'm, I'm absolutely loving. So, 
we we need the knowledge on how to solve the problem for the client. But what you're saying is, I think, is you also need the process, the process to say to the client, yeah, look, I understand the situation, but not only do I understand it, I've solved it so a number of times before, many times before, to the point where I've got a process that I follow. So you know that I'm going to be able to do it efficiently. I'm not making it up. I'm not winging it as I go along. So I've got a process. Here's my process. Um, yeah, and that will give them more confidence that it, the, 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 the process of solving their problem will occur smoothly and, and efficiently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if yep. we want to go, so yes, yes to the way I said it, yes to the way you said it. I mean, we, we can explain it in a number of ways. Um, yeah. You know things, but it only becomes valuable when you apply a client's situation. And, and that is the professional service process. It, it generally yeah. boils down to alignment and then some sort of uh, benchmarking their capabilities. And then you create a plan. Yeah. And and the, that we that goes round and round. <laughs> it, it does, and we want to get beyond the the experience where where a professional service person is in a sales meeting, and and what they they often have to do is they say to their client, "Hey, Mister Client, look, you need to buy me. I can fix your problem. I've done this uh, again and again. I've done it a number of times before, Mister Client. Buy me, buy me, buy me." And we want to make because that's still selling me, buy me, buy my time. And we want to create that shift. And we want to create that shift where we're going, instead of saying, buy me, we want the client, we want to be able to explain our process. We want to be able to explain to the client how we will solve it. Once we understand the problem from them, explain to them how we will solve that problem for them. And then that's, you know, that'll give them confidence. So now I'm selling the process. I'm not selling myself. So that's, yeah if I'm understanding is, is how you're suggesting we, we can make that shift. And it all starts in, well, we have to do our homework beforehand, but the conversation starts in that sales process with the client to not sell myself, but to sell my process. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get technical about it, I don't think you're selling you or the, all they care about is the result they don't, well, you know, yeah. they don't care. I, I think it's more of a, you know, an inward, uh, an inward look. Uh, Cause yes, the, the mindset shift is you're not buying Daryl. You're buying the thing that Daryl created that we pulled out of Daryl's mind. And uh, by the way, it doesn't matter who you know does it, it's there and you're gonna get this value. They, they only care about the value. And yep. so uh, any, well, anybody that is probably being about told. how they get the value is. You know. Yeah, they just want it done efficiently, effectively and they don't want that pain or that problem anymore. Yeah, great. And if they paid hourly, I wouldn't be able to keep the lights on because I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it like that. Cause I'm, cause I'm brilliant and I've been doing it for years and you've been doing it for years and you, you've got efficient and effective at it, but that, yeah, but the value. So, so let's talk about value because it's the client that determines the value, isn't it? The fact that you've learned and you've experienced, you've got so much practice that you can deliver it like that. You can deliver it quickly. It doesn't, un, you know, it doesn't reduce the value to the client because it's still the first, it's still a problem for the client that they need solving. Yeah. Um, I always, uh, I drew a nice little picture of this in, uh, in my book. Um, I, I was, I'm always after price premiums. Yeah. So I, I want to, uh, I want to expand my personal freedom. I want to play golf. I want to hang out with my kids. So the key is a price premium, being able to charge more and more, uh, for your knowledge. And for a long time, 
I was looking at uh, value-based pricing. I thought it was all about value. I thought that was the whole equation. Value equals price premium, but it does not because there's a second piece that is the anti-value and it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with your competitors. Price premiums equal value over replaceability. Okay. It does not matter how valuable you are or how valuable your clients perceive you are if you can be replaced. Yep. So you've got to be different. You've got to, and we touched on uniqueness before, and it used to, we used to have a, a UPS, but you know, I think, yeah, that's overdone like crazy, but we've got to be able to define, I guess, what's different about, you know, if, if you're working in a, in a, in an industry that is an established mature industry where there's lots of people providing a similar solution to yourself, then what I'm hearing you say is you've got to somehow either niche down to really small area of expertise. And, you know, the more different you are, the more definable you are by definition, different equals valuable. Um, so if you're perceived as the expert in this, this, this particular niche, someone is going to pay more for it rather than a uh, yes, that is, that is the, that is, uh, there are two ways. Uh, one is to get more specialized. Yes. Go, yep. go deeper into a specialty. And so you could say, well, I am, you know, the only specialist around that, uh, had the, uh, the, anyway, I'm the only specialist around that's doing, that's doing this particular thing. Uh, the other is to look at uh, strategic versus tactical as a spectrum, because in the professional service world, the labor market will get more crowded on the tactical side. It's easier mm -hmm. to learn tactical skills. That's where people can be taught. Yep. Uh, the strategic skills are accumulated over time through experience. It's very difficult to teach strategy. You have to go out and demonstrate that you are strategic. And yep. so one is you can get specific Two, you can make sure that you position yourself and your services and your relationships with clients as very strategic and that will make you more difficult to replace. Yep. Okay. So we're, we're moving away from ours where we're selling a process. We're demonstrating the pro that we've got a process to the client where we're niching down to be, and these are all just a, a, a cup collection of the ideas we've discussed. We're niching down to specific expertise and or we're moving away from just being tactical and your hands on you know, product delivery uh, up towards the strategic side of, of a proposition, whether it be in a specifically uh, industry or, or, or niche market. But the more strategic we can be, that's the we're going back to that creative thinking um, and the problem solving rather than the, the tactical, which is just added horsepower to an existing uh, process that they might have potentially. Yeah. 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 I think of it as help people make decisions. That's strategic. Yeah. And the tactical is I help people do things. That's, that's tactical. There's a nice uh, distilled down version of it. Brilliant. <clears throat> okay. So you engage with a client, you, you, you bring this messaging to them. Um, and in a world where I guess yeah, there is a whole lot of tradition there's a whole lot of um, you know, 
well, everyone else does it this way. Um, I guess if everyone else is doing it this way and charging time, it's easy. It's, that's even better for someone like yourself because if you move away from that, it, then it, uh, it's, it really is one of those ways of standing out and, and appearing different. Yeah, I mean, but it's all perspective, right? I, I think, uh, yeah. like, for example, uh, for me, hourly is the minority, because I spent eight years actively seeking out people that monetize their expertise. So, you know, when I, when I run into somebody that feels like there is a certain way of doing it, I can give them 10 examples of it happening the other way. And then they realize there are no rules there. Like you can go find anything. I've seen absolutely everything. And I'm convinced you can sell anything to anyone for any price because of the perspective that I have, because I spent eight years expanding what the the normal was and so now there's no normal there's also no rules and uh i i like to just encourage people to step back and think about the personal life that they want with no rules it, it, do you want a two-day work week uh a three-day work week D do you want to take two months off like what do you want and then you back into a business model um and oftentimes you'll find yourself uh, in a model that seems crazy at the time but you know then you spend 10 minutes looking out there in the world and you can find a handful of people doing it and doing it well and it'll seem crazy until you start putting steps in place to make it happen because that's how we, yeah. we realize yeah. and, you know it's funny i hear i try i try to remain focused and and specific and uh, people will say oh i've never heard of anybody doing what you're doing I'm like, oh, you must not have seen my LinkedIn post where I tagged my top 20 competitors <laughs> that do exactly what I do. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's perspective. Okay. So, Max, what are your thoughts when you're working with a client and the client says to you, hey, look, love to do this. Um, we've gone and tested it a couple of times with our clients and, and the client pushed back and said, yeah, we can get it cheaper elsewhere. How do you advise your client when, when they're getting that pushback and they're, they're, they're asking for help? Find a different client. If yeah, you, so so it, I think it's your, it, it could be your fault and it usually is your fault because if they say I can get this for cheaper elsewhere, then you haven't, you haven't maintained your status as a strategic partner. You've fallen victim. You probably said yes to some tactical project. Possibly. And that's your fault because it's your responsibility to remain strategic, knowing that you are defined by the most tactical thing you say yes to. Because people like to marginalize other people. That's that's what humans do, because they, yep. especially people in corporate, because they grew up doing this. They're they're trying to get up and push other people down. So if you are a marketing strategist. And you write something like an email for a client, you will further, you will then on be defined as the mark, the, the email copywriter person, because it's the most tactical thing that, that you said yes to. So um, if they're saying I can get this cheaper elsewhere, uh, you have made a mistake somewhere along the line. Now, the only thing to do, because you cannot reclaim your status as a strategic partner, you can only go down, you can't go up. That's once you're the once you're the email writer person, you will never be paid for strategy, which is also why I don't buy into this. Oh, let's get a small project and then we'll expand the relationship. No, you go in and you do the most strategic thing 
first and then you stay there and you add vendor evaluation to your uh to, to your scope of work uh, which is like a cheat code for not being vendorified uh be, anyway that's a that's a side point but uh yeah, you, you gotta, you can't hang on to relationships that view you as tactical. That will bleed into your organization. That will bleed into your people. Your people will leave. They will start uh, displaying behavior of tacticians and not strategists. It, it's like a cancer. And so you get rid of those clients, which is why it's so important to have an overflowing pipeline of new business. Not enough business overflowing Over pipeline oversubscribed as uh daniel Priestley calls it <laughs> yeah yeah oh, we keep demand above capacity that's where price premiums live that's where uh that's where you can say no to clients that aren't a perfect fit and that's how you retain talent in the professional services game if you're not retaining talent you're dead yep yep okay so look we've we, we've played with a few things we've we've gone hey look we need to you know if, if you want to get a premium for your business, you need a premium position in the marketplace. You need a premium reputation. You know, that comes along from not selling time. It comes from having some standard ways of doing things for capturing and presenting your talent, your expertise to the client and niching down. We've, we've covered that, that, that spectrum of process and going, look, yeah, this is all about, you know, unless you're really looking for, 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 scale and continuity scale this is great for, for for boutique and niche businesses that can really scale down and get a premium in their area of expertise <clears throat> but if we were to capture the the one nugget max that you think that you really want everyone to take away from our conversation and go here's here's the golden nugget this if you just do one thing from what i've shared today what would you want them to uh, remember I get rid of the menu of services and have one singular client process. Absolutely. Hands down. That is the one thing. So going back to that, that point about focus, it's just have one thing. Yeah. The, the cheeseburger. Yeah. One cheeseburger. Well, look, Hey, look, that's great advice, Max. Thank you. Really appreciate well, People don't like that advice because it's the most terrifying thing to do. I, I, what about all the other services? <laughs> what are we missing out on? And and you know, it's that human tendency, isn't it? We we tend to be be more worried about what we don't have than than what and then appreciative of grateful for what we do have. Yeah, we're all just kids eating marshmallows. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey Max, thank you. Look, I really appreciate you you sharing your, your insights with us and uh, and how professional service providers can go about and start thinking about how they can think differently around what they bring to the marketplace, how to productize our services, call it what we like, but we've got to move away from selling time if we want to exit on our terms. Cheers. Thanks, Max.